Good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? Okay. All right. All right. Good to see you. Uh, we're back. I'm back. Uh, I was out. I was out last weekend. Actually, uh, Pastor Hunter and I, we just switched spots. I was actually in Greenbrier, um, but we had gotten back from our family trip. Okay. I've already had to correct several people this morning. They asked me, how was my vacation? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> now that was a family trip. All right. And, and it went well. We, I mean, the kids, we, kids had a great time and, uh, made some memories and did some stuff they never got to do before. Uh, got to try some water skin and tubing behind a boat and all that kind of stuff. But but when we, we started into the trip, the vehicle we're using had started having some issues. About eight hours in, I pulled into a gas station and I noticed that when I was trying to stop, the brakes weren't working real good. And when I pulled into the gas station, a big plume of smoke came out. And, and so I was like, that's not good. And uh, I looked underneath and there is transmission fluid just pouring out of the bottom. And, and uh, so... So then for every, every three hours or so, I was having to stop and put transmission fluid in. And so the drive up there, we had a thousand mile drive. Okay. And so, uh, it was supposed to take 14 hours. It would take a little bit longer than that. And, uh, but we got up there, had a great time there, but then we had to make the drive back. And anybody that knows about seals on transmissions, it usually just gets worse. And so we're coming back. And there's smoke billowing out of the back of the vehicle the whole time, which the, the crazy thing about this was, and there's a sermon in this, I won't go get into it right now, but out of all the thousands of people that saw us, the thousands of people that we passed by, 2,000 miles of driving, only four people tried to get our attention to let us know that there was a bunch of smoke coming out of our vehicle. Four people, like the state of our nation, we're in trouble, okay? But, uh, but so anyway, it, it, was, it was stressful. How many of y'all know when you're driving and you got the check engine light on, there's a bunch of smoke coming out the back, you know you got transmission fluid leaking out of the bottom, you don't know how bad it's getting, it's stressful, because at any point, you're not sure, like, the, the transmission could just seize up, and then you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. The last 200 miles, we're having to stop every 30 minutes and put two to three pints of transmission fluid into the transmission. And, and so, and then we finally rolled in, and whoo, I was, the, the next day, my shoulders and arms were so sore. Like, I thought, man, did I do a workout I forgot about? But it's just when you're driving with that kind of stress, and then I get into my car, which just has no issues, but I'm still stressed. I'm like, something's wrong with this too. So I'm going to break down here too. Stress, man, it, it, it can have a, a huge effect on us. And, and that's actually, that's what I want to talk about today. Um, we're in this staycation series, just a bunch of different subjects, but I kind of want to circle back to the book of Philippians. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. In this book, the theme of it is all about joy. But one of the things we touched on briefly but moved on from was one of the killers of joy is stress and anxiety. And we talked about how, how we as a nation, even, even though, look, we have more technology and more available to us than ever before, which is part of the stress. That, that, that researchers would say that there's more anxiety and stress right now in our current culture than there was in any other generation leading up till now, including the World War II generation. I just think that's crazy. Like that we could have more anxiety and more stress in our lives than a generation who fought a major world war. But psychologists will say that that is absolutely true. 
The stress and the effect that it has on us, man, it affects us in every single part of who we are, in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Uh, It'll affect you physically. You got to know that. Like if you're carrying around a bunch of stress, I've seen people have major medical issues because of stress in their life. Roger Maris, which if you're not a baseball fan, you wouldn't know who he is. But in 1961, he was chasing Babe Ruth's home record, home, home run record. And, and, but while he was doing this, he got really sick. And so he went to the doctor and he was convinced that he had gotten some sort of weird disease. I mean, his hair was falling out. He just was really in a bad spot. And the doctor said, no, you are buried in the stress and worry of trying to break this record. Stress can have a major, major impact on you. A few weeks ago, when the Hogs were in the World Series, and, uh, and I was actually watching game two, and, and my son Corbin, he came and sat with me a little bit, and we never watched baseball, okay? Like, that was the most, most baseball I've ever watched in my life. For me, it's just not my thing. It's kind of slow, and I'm not really into it. But, but the Hogs were in it, and so I was excited about it. Well, I'm watching there with Corbin, but I'm stressed, like, the whole time. And then Corbin, my son, is like, Dad, I feel stress. I'm like, I know, buddy. I know. He's like, Dad, I just feel like something bad's going to happen. I'm like, I know. I know. I feel the same way. He's like, Dad, what is happening to us? And I said, buddy, I just looked into his innocent little eyes. And I said, buddy, this is what it feels like to be a Razorback fan. (laughs) This is just a part of our lives now. Like... He's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, buddy, we all say the same thing every year, every sport. Just the stress and the anxiety of it. So to review the top causes of stress, job, money, health, media overload, parking at New Life Church during any holiday, (laughs) and watching the Razorbacks. Those are the top causes of stress across the board. And in America... We, uh, we stress, we deal with stress in a lot of different ways. At least we try to. You know, we try to cope with the stress and the anxiety and the anxiousness. Like comfort eating. Okay? We do that in America. Like we, we're stressed. We'll eat some chocolate. Right? I mean, and, but that's not bad because chocolate's really good for you. It's got all kinds of antioxidants. And, you know, we justify it any way we want to. But we'll comfort eat. Shopping. Some people be shopping when they stress, and that's why they're broke. Because they're really, really stressed. Medication, uh, binge watching, you know, some gossip girls, sons of anarchy, just, just something to try to unwind, playing video games. That's one of the ways that people will deal with their stress. But there's some more serious, dangerous escapist forms that are sin, like drugs, porn, getting drunk. Typically, those are things that people result to a lot of times because they're trying to deal with the stress and the anxiety that's in their lives. So in Philippians chapter 4, Paul gets into what I would refer to as stress management. Um, and, and because he's, this whole, the whole theme of this book is talking about joy, and he re, he's recognizing, man, if you've got stress, anxiety in your life, it's going to kill the joy that God would want to give to you. So I want to jump right into this um, because I believe that all of us, if we understand the application of the word 
in regards to our stress. I really do believe that God can, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what, we can walk on a place of peace without having to carry all this stress. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the Living Bible, it says this, If you do these things, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts quiet and keep your heart at rest. Man, how many of y'all want some of that? I mean, that just sounds amazing. But this is a guaranteed statement from the word of God. If you will do these things, if you'll do these things, you'll find peace. Your heart will be at rest. And what's so amazing about this passage is this is not a guarantee from a doctor. This is a guarantee from the creator of the universe. This is a guarantee from your heavenly father, your creator. Another translation says that he will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. How do you know when you have a peace that is beyond your understanding? It means that you can be in the middle of chaos and tension and pressure and stress, but there is peace on the inside. There can be all kinds of craziness going on on the outside, but on the inside, you're at peace. So what are the things that he would ask us to do in order to have this peace? First of all, root out worry. Root out worry. Refuse to worry about anything. Why? Because the number one source of stress in your life is not your work, it's your worry about your work. Your number one stress is not the externals, it's what you're doing with the externals. It's what you're allowing to happen in your mind, in your heart. You may be overwhelmed at work. You may be overworked. But more than likely, you're just overworried. And that's what's really affecting you. Because work actually isn't what keeps you up at night. It's the worry that keeps you up at night. Uh, this is something that I definitely have experienced a lot. The Bible says God is very clear what he thinks about worry. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Never worry about anything. So is there any wiggle room in this? Like, is there some things that, the, that it seems to indicate, like, there's some things that'll be okay. Like, there, there, there's some things that are a really big deal, and, and those things are okay for you to worry about. Like, this says, never worry about anything. And that's so important, because I, I just want to guarantee you, it doesn't matter what has ever happened in your life. What has been going on? There's never been a time that God has leaned over to one of the angels and whispered, yeah, I'd be worried about that too. <laughs> like that's just never happened. And worry was, was a really big thing with Jesus too. In fact, he made an entire section of the greatest sermon ever preached about this subject of stress and worry. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 It says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? Is not the body more important than clothes? Really what Jesus is saying, you can write this down, worry is irrational. Really what worry is, it is emotional atheism. 
It's you feeling like God isn't on this. God's not got this. As a pastor, what I've learned is that worry exaggerates every problem. It enlarges the reality of what's really going on. And, uh, and all of us have probably experienced this. How many of you guys have just had a restless night when you're thinking about everything that you've got going on in your life? I mean, I know I have. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I, I couldn't sleep for weeks on end, or, uh, just have a good night's rest. Because you, you lay down and, and you've had a long day, so you're super exhausted, but you're, you're, looking, you're thinking through the list, right? You're thinking through everything that's going on. And, 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 and the problem is this, you're not at your sharpest when you're that tired. And when you're like halfway asleep, you're not thinking logically, rationally. Like, you're, you're, like when you're halfway into a dream world, now all of a sudden the things that you're worried about, not only are you not helping worrying about them, but now there's like unicorns involved and other random people and creatures and things that, that are making the thing even worse. And I've never woken up after finally falling asleep after one of those nights. I've never woken up and be like, man, I'm glad I solved so many problems last night. Whew, man, all that worry. Wow, I just fixed it all. Because you don't. Worry doesn't fix anything. What it does, worry takes what is really like a, a very small, like, Pee Wee Herman problem and turns it into Andre the Giant. It, it makes it this huge thing. Uh, 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 worry is a lot like fog. If you took an Olympic-sized pool and you filled it with fog, okay? If you were able to condense that water that is in that fog down and put it in a pitcher, the fog that would fill an Olympic-sized pool would only be about a half a gallon of water. And what happens is we take a very small issue and in our own nervous system and mind, heat it up and vaporize it and turn it into a fog that seems like a big deal. And consequently, you can't see well through fog. It impairs your vision. It impairs your ability to see things clearly. But that's what we do when it comes to worry. Worry doesn't make anything go away. In fact, it's unnatural. God hasn't created you to worry about anything. Matthew 6, 26 says this, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If anybody is on God's welfare program, it's birds. Because birds don't do anything. They just do birdie things, you know? Tweet. Like, they just, they don't do anything. But, but what this verse is saying is, no creature created worries. There isn't one creature created by God that worries. Humans are the only creature created by God that worries. The only creature. Some of you are like, no, I've seen my dog get really stressed out before. Every cat is stressed out because they're consumed with demons. And that is incredibly <laughs> stressful, you know. 
I'm sorry. I, 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 that wasn't even in my notes. It just comes so naturally, you know? <laughs> I love our cat people. I love you. I love you. I wish you had a different pet, but I love you. You are created in God's image. You are created in the image of God. He's going to take care of you. He's going to open doors. He's going to close doors. He's going to show you. He's going to give you favor. He's going to enable you. God loves you. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, an anxious heart weighs a man down. I've felt that one. The word worry actually comes from an old English word that means to strangle or choke. Uh, That was pretty interesting. And that's what it does. It chokes joy. It chokes love. It chokes peace. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body. So the first thing, if you want to walk in this place, if you want to get rid of your stress, refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. Go back to the scripture. Go back to what God promises and declare those things like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to surrender. I, God's got this. Confess that. Which leads to the next point. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. You should panic less and pray more. You should worry less and worship more. Because worry is you talking to yourself about your problems. <laughs> Talking to yourself won't do anything, but talking to God will. Talking to God will change things. So back to Philippians verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, in every situation, let God know what you need in your prayers and in your requests. I would suggest this. If you prayed even half as much as you worry, you would have way less to be worried about. If you prayed even close to the amount that you worry about things. I know that's true for me. If I prayed nearly as much as I stress and worry and was anxious, I just don't think there would probably be nearly as much stuff to even be anxious about. Because God hears us. He listens to us. Look, when I was a kid and something went wrong, when I was a little kid and and something went wrong, I didn't get stressed out about it. Most of us didn't. You know, like if, if, if all of a sudden, like the chain came off my bike, I was like, oh God, I'm never going to ride again. I just, I used to love riding my bike, but now it's no more. No, I would take my bike to my dad. I didn't worry as a little kid because I had a great dad. He knew how to fix things. I remember one time I, was, I went on a, to a basketball tournament and it was a few hours from our hometown and I get there and I open my gym bag and I didn't even have my basketball shoes. So I went to dad. I said, dad, I don't have my basketball shoes. And what he did is he went to a telephone book. For those of you who are a little younger, uh, <laughs> back in the day, all phone numbers and addresses were only in one place, the telephone book, okay? So he, he went and he started calling around to find a place so he could go and get me some new basketball shoes. He took care of me. 
Don't you think your heavenly father loves you much more? Don't you think your heavenly father knows exactly what to do and where to go to get you exactly what you need? Don't you think your heavenly father knows what to fix and how to fix it and when to fix it and the right way to fix it? But when we are stressed and when we're not praying and there's a big problem in your life, you are acting like a spiritual orphan if you're not going to your heavenly father because he cares. He cares. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. I guarantee this, you will worry less when you're asking God more. When you ask more, you're gonna worry less. And here's the deal. Some of you would say, well, I just don't wanna bother God. <laughs> Bless your heart. I, I don't wanna bother God. It's just a little thing. Okay, well, here's the reality that you need to come to. There is no problems in your life that is a big problem for God. Every problem in your life is a very little problem for God. Every problem, no matter what it is, the biggest problem you've ever had in your life is still an itty bitty tiny little problem for God. Romans 8.32 says this, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, why don't we, why, why won't he who gives us Christ also give us everything else we need? Follow the logic here. The biggest problem that you have in your life is getting into heaven. Because the only way that you get into heaven is being perfect. And none of you are perfect. So the biggest problem in your life has already been solved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the biggest problem in your life is actually easily taken care of. Which should mean that every other little problem in your life is insignificant. Because the biggest problem has already been taken care of. Number three, be thankful every day. Be thankful every day. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, this is the New King James Version. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't say thank God for all things because there's some things that you shouldn't be thankful for. There are some things you shouldn't be thankful for. The pain in this world, the evil that's in this world, someone gets cancer, no, you shouldn't be thankful for that. Someone passes away, no, God's not expecting you to to be thankful for that. You don't have to thank God, but what it says is in all things. In all things, which means even in the bad times, I can find something good to be thankful for. It's being thankful in it, not for it, just in it, in the midst of it. And it doesn't belittle the pain. It doesn't belittle the loss. In fact, it puts the right focus on it. It takes the loss and it takes the pain and brings it before a capable God 
when you're able to be thankful in it. Because you remind yourself that God is sovereign. God is in control. I believe that you can find things to be thankful for every day. And, and, I, and also know that this can change the culture of your home. Um, just a little while back, um, within the last couple of months, God has just been working on s- some things with me. And I realized, like, even in our home, kids are getting cynical and sarcastic and a little bit disrespectful. And so I was raining down fire on our home, you know, just reactionary type things. But then what, what I realized was there was a lack of thankfulness. And, and every parent understands how frustrating it is when your kids aren't thankful, right? I mean, you just want to take everything away and burn it in a pile in the backyard. <laughs> Say, all right. But the truth is this, I leave my home. And if there is a lack of thankfulness in my home, I think it has to start with me. And so this is not a huge thing, but it is a huge thing. I just made it a purpose that when we would pray, when we would pray for our meal, when we would pray over each of the kids before they go to sleep, and when Cody and I would pray before we fall asleep, I would think of three to four things to be thankful for. Just be thankful. Just be thankful. God, we're thankful. And, and, I, would, and I would remind our family in our prayer and in my prayer, the small things. God, we're thankful. <laughs> we have more than one set of clothes to wear. God, you're good. God, not only are we eating, but we're eating several different types of food to our liking. And we, and we can have more than one serving. God, you're good. Thank you. Thankful. Thank you. I promise you, if you go to that place, it'll change you. But, but some of us, we've gotten so far away from that that it's hard to even see that. Um, and this is a spiritual discipline, but... How many of you guys played Tetris growing up? How many of you guys played Tetris? Okay, now the best Tetris is on the old school Game Boy. Old school Game Boy, man, that game, and I am amazing at that game. I, I don't brag a lot, but I'm just telling you, I can throw down on some Tetris, okay? That and Galaga. I was amazing at Galaga and Tetris. Those are the two games. All this other stuff now, I'm not that great at it, but you want to, you know, go at it, me with some Tetris, you're going down. But here's the thing, how, if you played a lot of Tetris, you know that you, your mind just starts thinking that way. You play hours of Tetris, you go to the grocery store, you see a loaf of bread, and you're like, oh, that loaf of bread can stack in like this. And if you do it this way, you can put this in, and you can get even more on that shelf. You start reorganizing the whole store because you're like, man, y'all, if y'all would have just, this block obviously fits right here, and this, this can go right here. You start seeing cars, you're like, man, if that car would just fit in right there, if that car would go in there, they would solve 167. I mean, if, this, if, if we could just, if everybody would just get in the right spots, you, and so, because what happens is you're, you rewire your mind to think that, Okay. If you will begin to be thankful for any and every little blessing in your life, you will rewire your spirit to see more that you can be thankful for, and God will allow you to start putting things into the place that they need to be. When you begin to be thankful, when you just choose, I'm going to be thankful, because this is a partnership between your mind and your soul that needs to hit your spirit 
to be thankful. To be thankful. To see it that way. Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything. Everybody say everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Number four. Filter what your mind dwells on. Filter what your mind dwells on. Now this is incredibly important because the stress and the war that you're having in your life, that war, that battle is going on between your ears. That's really where it's going on. The stress isn't out there. The stress is right here. The stress is happening in your thoughts. Like there isn't measured stress in the situation or the problem. The stress is is happening inside of you. And it's a war in your mind, which is exactly where the enemy wages war. And I'm not saying every worry and stress in your life is from the devil. But he certainly doesn't mind playing on it. He certainly doesn't mind using it. Your war with stress is won and lost in your mind. So one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Okay, now that's important because remember all the different ways that we try to deal with our stress. And not all those things are bad. But I'm just telling you, those things ultimately aren't going to help you. That is you waging war as the world does against your stress. So whether that's shopping or comfort eating or, or an addiction or alcohol or whatever it is, that is not going to work ultimately. That is not going to help you. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. A pretension is stress. A pretension is worry. It is something that is pretending. But it is a counterfeit. It will not help you. It is setting itself against the knowledge of God, of who you are. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You take thoughts captive with the word of God. It's the applied word of God that helps you take your thoughts captive. You need an undeniable, irrefutable, irrevocable truth applied to your stress. Applied to your thoughts. You have to manage and filter what you're dwelling on in your life. What you fill your mind will, will determine the level of stress in your life. I guarantee you. So you, a lot of you have heard of the phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever garbage you're putting into your life, stress is going to be what manifests out. Stress is going to be what comes out. And this is happening. What's sad is how this is affecting every generation. Even young kids. It was a while back, I was hanging out around a group of people, and there was a, a, a I won't say his name, he's, he's eight years old, little boy. And I was like, hey man, how's it going? How are things going? And he just started unloading. He's like, well, I mean, I'm in baseball, but you know, I'm not playing that good right now. And if I don't play good now, there's a good chance I'll never get a scholarship. And if I don't get a scholarship, I won't go to college. If I don't go to college, I'm not going to get a job, and I'll never get married. What about what Trump said? Just like worried and stressed. Like talking about politics and his career. He's eight years old. You have to know. You are breeding stress and worry in your kids and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. 
But if you're carrying around this stuff, you have to understand, like, it's going to affect them too. By the grace of God, after our family trip, I didn't handle it the way I normally do. Usually, if I'm stressed, my whole family's stressed. And it's a bummer. It's like no fun. But I remember I made a decision when I saw all that transmission coming out of the bottom of that like a waterfall. I made a decision. I am not going to exhibit my stress and my worry around the kids. And after a thousand miles up and a thousand miles back and over 40 something hours of driving, my kids had no idea that anything wrong was even going on. I carried the stress. It was in my shoulders and in my neck. But I didn't want to affect them, their trip. I think we need to be more aware of that. You need to be aware of the pressure that you put on your kids. You need to be aware of the pressure you put on them around extracurriculars. I want to pass through on this, but you need to understand that their peace and their joy and their tender hearts is way more important than them performing at the level that you think that they can or should in some sport or in school. It'll affect them. Guard their hearts. Guard their hearts. Be a peacemaker. Filter the things that you allow into their minds and into your mind so that you can deal with stress. My grandfather, who was a Marine, and he fought in the Pacific and um, fought in some pretty major battles. And I remember talking to my dad. I never really got to meet my grandfather. He died when I was really young. But, but talking to my dad, I just said, Dad, did, did, did Granddad ever talk about anything that happened? Like, he said, no, he never really talked about any of that. Um, he would talk it around, about it around his buddies, but he didn't really talk about it around the family, which I'm not, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying clamming up. But there was a, a Marine that, from one of the same battles that my grandfather fought in. He was interviewed, and he was asked, how do you handle the stress of all this, the things that have happened to you? And he said, you can't dwell on it. You put it out of your mind, and you grab a better thought. You grab a better thought. That is the only way. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know what thought he was grabbing onto, but there is some truth in that when it comes to grabbing onto some better thoughts, to grabbing onto the best thoughts, God's thoughts, God's thoughts about you, God's thoughts about your life, God's thoughts about your situation, God's thoughts about stress, your worry how much he loves you. Verse eight, same chapter, chapter four. Fill your mind with those things that are true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and beautiful and respected. If anything is excellent, if anything is worthy of honor, think about those things. Think about those things. I think if you did a lot more of filling it with those things, you, you, we'd probably eradicate a lot of the sin and struggle that's in a lot of our lives. 
a lot of the temptation. I remember my dad. My dad's like a man's man, okay? And, and uh, I remember when I was little, how many of you guys remember when everybody had a pocket knife? Like everybody had a pocket knife. Like I went to school with a pocket knife, right? Like everybody had a pocket knife. And then my dad, I mean, he just always, he always had an, an, an old timer pocket knife in his pocket. And I remember one time we were doing one of our horse rides and, and we were getting some apples and this apple had a little bit of a, a bad spot on it. And my dad took out his pocket knife and just starts carving away at this apple. And he's like, man, my dad's a man. Like he eats an apple with a pocket knife, right? And I was like, Dad, I don't like eating the bruised part of the apple. He's like, son, you just, here. He just carved it out of there, carved it out and sliced it up, threw away the bad part and stabbed the good part and ate it. He's like, you eat a piece too. Stabbed a piece and stuck it in my mouth. I'm like, oh. (laughs) He's like, James, if it's a bad part, you just cut it out and throw it away. And you eat what's good. I'm not saying you should teach your kids this uh, with a pocket knife, but it is good theology. The word of God is compared to a double-edged sword. And I think that there's some things in your mind that you need to carve up and throw away the bad and keep what's good. Keep what's good. Isaiah said this, You, Lord, will keep me in perfect peace. All who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you, God will keep you in perfect peace. All who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on him. Corey Timboon said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. That's a good word. It all depends on what you have your eyes on. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's just put our focus, let's put our gaze on the spirit of the living God, on Jesus, our Savior, on God, our Heavenly Father. And we're in the summertime, typically there's a little less stress at least it seems, it feels like there's less stress in the summertime. Maybe not for everyone. Um, but the reality is this, a lot of times even things we do in the summertime, it's just like a band-aid on the real issue. And I just want to give us a chance just to, to take our stress, to take our worry and our anxiety before the Lord. And I, and I just want to follow the model of this scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you're here today and you feel stressed, you feel anxious, you feel worry, I want to give you a chance just to confess that before God. He knows your heart anyway. But if you're saying, you know, I'm ready to surrender that stress. I'm ready to lay that stress and that worry down. If that's you, nobody look around. Just slip your hand up right now. You just got some stress in your life, some anxiety. Come on, lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Man, that's a lot of hands. Come on, keep them up. Father God, we come before you as your sons and daughters. That's who we are. 
we're your sons and we're your daughters and you are a good dad. You're a good father. You are faithful. God, we thank you for all the ways that you take care of us. God, we thank you that we're able to to even raise our hand right now. We're thankful that you've given us physical health and ability. God, right now, you've given us a sound mind. God, you've given us an amazing country to live in. God, you've blessed us with so much. God, we're richer than 99% of the people that live on the rest of this planet. We are thankful. And God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we confess our worry. We confess our stress. We confess our anxiety. We confess it as sin, as being off the mark. And we release it to you. We bring it before you. Whatever this subject is, God, you know it. You know what's going on. You know every detail. You knew it was going to happen before we ever took one breath. You knew, and you have a plan, and you have a purpose, and you have a perspective, and you are eternal, and you see things clearly, and you know that you're going to take care of it, and you're going to hook us up, and you're going to bless us. So God, right now we receive that grace. We receive that peace. We receive that joy. We receive the fact that you are God and you are in control. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that even the the process that you began right now in their hearts, God, I pray that it would become a spiritual discipline in their life, Lord, that when they feel anxiety and worry and doubt and those things start to creep in, that immediately, God, they would take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to your word and to your truth, that they would bring them before you and with their mouth and with their faith, confess their trust in you. Confess that even though they don't know how it's gonna work out, they're not gonna surrender their joy. They're not gonna surrender their peace. They're not gonna surrender all the things that you would provide for them, God, to their worry, to their stress, to their situation. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I guarantee you this, (laughs) it is impossible to walk in peace without Jesus. It is impossible. I don't know how anybody makes it, but I know this. I know this, if you will come to him, if you'll surrender your life to him, if you'll make him your Lord and your savior, it's not that every situation and circumstance is gonna change in your life, but it will change who's over it. It'll make God the Lord of your life. It'll put Jesus over the situation, over the circumstance. And there's no better person to have control of your life of your situation and your circumstance. If you're here today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you need to come back to him, rededicate your life to him today with nobody looking around. If you know you need Jesus and you're away from him and you're ready to come to him, put your hand up right now across this room. I wanna pray for you. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need a relationship with God today. Any person in this place? Okay. Okay. Father God, I thank you for every person that's making that decision. God, I thank you as they come to you, as they surrender their life to you, that you meet them. As they confess their sin, confess you as their savior. Lord, you give them a new life, a new start. And from this day forward, they can walk in a place of knowing you're in control. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. 
thank you for that. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the peace that rests in this room. We thank you for this place of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you guys. Let's give God a hand this morning for his word.